take care of the whole employee so that you know they are the most productive for those hours of the day, week, month, quarters that they are working for you, right? And I think that's the lens in which a lot of benefits are now going to be recasted. And by benefits, I mean everything that you do as an employer to support your employee is now you know, uh, going to be talked about in that concept. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. In the wake of the Great Resignation, there's a lot of talk today about meeting employees where they are and customizing the employee experience. Many employers are wondering what that means and how we're supposed to get actual work done if we spend all day making sure every employee is riding a unicorn to work and living their best life from nine to five. Ravi Swaminathan is a seasoned technology executive with a passion for creating products with social impact. Ravi is the founder and CEO of Task Human, a real-time digital coaching platform that connects employees one-to-one with a global network of coaches. In April, Forbes published an article by Ravi entitled, How to Meet Employees Where They Are and Provide Benefits That Matter. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Ravi. Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So in the Forbes article, you promote the idea of work-life integration rather than work-life balance. Is there a difference there? Yeah, we think so. Um, you know, we've uh, got the privilege of serving a ton of employees of companies globally, um, big, small, medium businesses. And one thing that we realized um, that is worth talking about is this difference between work-life balance and work-life integration. So work-life balance is something I think a lot of people are familiar with as a term. Um, You know, it's the notion that when you come to work, you know, you do X and then, you know, you go back home. And as a person and a human being, you kind of have to balance both because it's not that, you know, you can afford to shirk your responsibilities in one place or the other. Right. And so all the conversation in the industry has been happening around work-life balance and how to best allow you to do your job, but at the same time, maybe allow you to have a life, right? And you see this in sort of the investment banking world where people are overworked and, you know, unfortunately not not a whole lot of life left for them, right? And then you see on the other side of things where, okay, maybe you're you're retired and, you know, you're not really going to work, but, you know, you have your life. And, And so it used to be one of those two things. But we think that that's that's a sort of a different way to frame up stuff when in reality, for most of us, it's always been about work-life integration, right? And, you know, if I have a a parent that is not doing well, I have to go take care of that parent, right? If I have to drop off my kids at eight o'clock in the morning because that's when the school opens, you have to do that. So this notion of work-life integration, particularly in the context of what's happening now and in a post-COVID world, hopefully a post-COVID world, right, is this notion that um, as you're thinking about, you know, going to the office, working from home for a few days, 
um, or completely as a remote worker or as somebody who's going to the office all the time, how do we best integrate both those aspects of work and life? Because neither of those are going away anytime soon. So it's better off that you figure out how to do both as opposed to trying to do one or more of the other. Well, and we, I think we've seen a lot of that during COVID with uh, schools shut down, daycare not available, parents working remote or uh, employers needing parents, you know, thinking they needed parents to be working in the office, but the parents were just saying, I can't do that. I've, I've got kids and there's no such thing as daycare right now. I don't want to send my, or I don't want to send my child to COVID daycare. Uh, and so they're trying to work remote. And, and I think a lot of employers thought they were making temporary concessions for some of these things. And now a lot of them are waking up and finding, no, that's not what the employees are, are expecting. Exactly. I mean, you know, just to give you some examples, right? All of us, I think, can relate to these things from the past couple of years. Uh, when you're working from home, you're going to get that, you know, doorbell rung on you, you know, several times. So you have to go and, and see who that is, right? Um, you know, and, uh, you know, if your oil, uh, your car needs an oil change, I mean, you have to go do that at the time that you need to do it. And so this notion that, you know, it was, if it was okay for you to, in the past, before COVID, if it was okay for you to take a uh, work call at home, right? In the post-COVID world, it should be okay for you to take a personal call. Maybe it's a doctor's appointment at work, right? And so I think individually, nobody would argue with these constructs because we have to get both done. I think it's really amplified um, a lot in terms of how employers should look at work-life integration post-COVID because now those boundaries are no longer there, right? It's not like you have to drive home, uh, drive to work, um, you know, between eight to five and then come back home. And then it's your personal life that you do, you know, after you come back home. Right. So regardless of where you're working or how you're working now, there is a clear recognition that you have to integrate both your work and personal life and balance it or what we call work life integration integrated in such a way that you're able to accomplish both. And that is the context of what you started and talking about, which is the great resignation, right? When you're not able to integrate both in an effective way that makes sense for your life, it is going to cause you to burn out and it's going to cause you to reassess your priorities. And most people will never, at least those with any semblance of choice, will never assess more of work, right? And that's what's happening with, <laughs> with the great resignation is that, you know, as people assess and if they're forced to choose one, they're going to choose their life because that is obviously far more important than anything else. And so I think to, to set the context of what you had talked about, right, how are employers supposed to think about this? Are they now responsible for your life as opposed to just the work part of your life? And, and we would argue, yeah, right, that is the big shift is let's care for all of Mike. Right. You know, if I'm an employer rather than just well, the be careful what you sign up for, buddy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so that's what you're signing up for. And, and to put it further in context. Right. You know, when you we, we had this person um, that uh, that interviewed with us, she's a rock star salesperson. And we happened to find her when she was uh, about six months into her pregnancy. Right. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of uh, these types of people are conditioned to think, man, what's going to happen in three months? Right. Will this employer, um, you know, hire me because um, I'm pregnant and they know I'm pregnant. Right. 
And and our answer to this was, oh my God, right? I can't even believe that we're putting this candidate through this stuff, but it's real because this is how people think, right? Uh, they think and they it worries them. And so for us, right. we, we want to embrace that person and go, look, we're here for a 10, 15, 20 year relationship with you. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're taking a few months off or whatever time off you need um, as you have your kid. Right. And so so that's what we want to take the conversation to as a as a society and as a set of companies is really allow people to live their life and help them best integrate their work portion so that by taking care of the whole person when they are working for those moments in a day or a week or however you measure their productivity, that they are able to give you their absolute best. Right. So that's, I think, the conversation. But what would you say to the employer then that says, okay, well, if if they're not on the clock or if, if they're not working at the hours where I can check in on them, how do I know that they're getting any work done? I mean, is, it sounds like that's going to eat my productivity up. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we have to separate two things, right? You have the Elon Musks of the world who go, hey, if you don't show up to work, you know, we'll just consider that you're not interested in your job. Right. And I think obviously, you know, he's accomplished a lot and has every right to say things like that. But at the same time, you recognize then, you know, folks like Airbnb and Taskumen who take the different approach. Right. We actually don't even have an office. Right? And because, again, Elon Musk is actually assembling things. Right. You have to show up in a place and you have to tighten up a bunch of screws and, you know, bolts and so on. And it's a different kind of job. So I'll comment more on the side of the knowledge worker. Um, and then I'll offer a few thoughts from my uh, past experience on the sort of side where you have to show up to a factory and get stuff done because that's just the way you assemble things. On the knowledge worker side, it's become very clear that you don't need, um, you know, you don't need to actually see a person doing a good job for them to do a good job. Right. And so it's best when you measure their productivity by the amount of work that they get done. And this is a real conversation that, you know, we have in our company as well. Um, our company is completely remote, by the way, always was. It wasn't a COVID thing. You know, we just decided this is going to be a remote company. And so, you know, in the and our team members are all over the world. So we absolutely cannot be monitoring when somebody is working. Um, is that eight o'clock in their time zone? Are they are they started work? Right. And then, oh, five o'clock, they're probably not going to be around. So. We just completely don't even ask that question, but we have a sense of, is that person for the, their role and their experience and seniority and expectations, are they producing a quantum of work needed for the time period that we're measuring them? Now, the longer that time period can be, if you can take a monthly view, a weekly view, a quarterly view before judging somebody, then you're going to do well. If you take a hit today, I didn't see you from eight to five, so you must be slacking off view, then yeah, if that's what your business is, if you need daily productivity metrics, you're probably not going to do well if people don't show up to the office. And even when they're showing up to the office, chances are you probably don't have a way to measure their hourly and daily productivity in a knowledge environment. Right now in a warehouse environment, yeah, if the warehouse, you know, works and you're shipping X number of packages or you're building X number of things, you're going to need people to show up physically and measure their productivity by how many units shipped out that door, you know, that, that hour, that week, that, that month, that day. Right. 
So I think, I think we can safely separate the conversation and create a set of benefits and create two separate ways of thinking about these two sets of workers. And it's not that one worker is more important than the other kind of worker, right? It's, I don't think it should be concluded that the factory workers uh, flexibility is less important than the knowledge workers flexibility. They do different things. And so it can and should be measured in different ways. And so for knowledge workers, I do absolutely think that the longer the time frame that you can take and assess, the more flexibility it gives you and the employee. Right. And so, so that's our viewpoint on why you should be able to measure productivity in other ways in longer time periods than just simply eight to five. Yeah. We were a fully in, in person company up until COVID and went remote like with everybody else in March of 2020. And since then, um, you know, that worked well. And I, I've, I owned our office building and I've sold that. And when we're staying remote and, uh, and like you, we've got employees in places we never thought we'd have employees before, uh, because we can find the labor and they're, they're willing and, and eager to work. And, um, but we've got good metrics in place for both productivity and quality. Uh, but we've also got an amazing culture where everybody supports everybody. I mean, we use zoom for our telephony and our chat and a lot of our internal communication. And I can drop into the different channels and see how this team is talking back and forth to each other. And Hey, I've, you know, I've got to go give my, uh, feed my kid lunch. I'll be back in 15, no problem. And I see all the chat back and forth and how supportive they, and it really just makes me crazy proud for them because a lot of them now have never and may never meet each other face to face, except through a camera or through chat, and, you know, just through zoom. So how important is changing the culture. If you've, if you've got that more rigid managed by walking around, looking over your shoulder to see how busy you are, uh, you know, how important it is, is it to change that culture and how would you do it if, if we're going to give employees this kind of flexibility? Yeah, I think follow your sales team, right? Those of, those of us that have actually run a pretty large sales team, you know, I've run a, you know, thousands of person sales teams, you know, all of that stuff in my career. Um, you know, if you've run a sales team at all, you never had the luxury of actually watching them in the same room and tapping on their shoulder, watching them do their work, right? So we don't even have to look far into our own past to know that, you know, many functions, even within companies that consider themselves, you know, uh, hey, you got to come to the office type of companies, never fully operated in every function that way. Never did, right? It's just that, you know, they weren't thinking about it this way. And so anybody that's run a sales team knows, you know, you're going to have people in different territories all over the place, right? All over the U.S., all over the world. That's just the way it always was for you. So if you were a sales leader, you may get people together once in a few, you know, once a few months, once a quarter, once a year, whatever it was, right? That was your life anyway. I think the rest of us just got too accustomed to what we were doing, whether you're in engineering or other functions. And then, you know, you had to sit behind the veil of, oh, if I didn't come to the office, I would get stuff done. I wouldn't get stuff done, right? So I think, you know, following that path, and like you said, Mike, I think it's really all about culture. Just embrace the remote culture part, um, like you embrace the need for people to come in. And I don't think it's going to eliminate the need for people to ever meet each other. Um, I think you can deploy your lack of office space probably in other ways, right? 
you know, with the savings that you had, you know, personally with, with your own office and not having to pay rent anymore, uh, maybe that's used in a different way now to get the team once, once a quarter, once a year, so they can physically meet. And so I think you actually said it best. Culture is the best way to, you know, solve this particular problem. And by culture, yeah, I think we can separate that into two separate things, right? One is what do people do and how do you measure the, you know, the person's productivity? Take a long-term view of this, not just a daily view, right? Like, did I see that person today over a video call? If I did, then I feel good. If I didn't, you could still feel good. It's okay. They didn't disappear and, you know, they didn't uh, this completely, you know, not get anything done. But um, second is also support them in unique ways, right? Embrace their life for what you know what you care about and all aspects of their life and this is goes to the example of the the pregnant lady that we talked about right um the reality is when somebody is pregnant it's obvious but the reality is if i have a dad or a mom who's elderly and i need to take care of them that may not come across in an interview like a pregnancy does so the reality is people have their lives together with them, whether you as an interviewer or an employer can see it or not. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. For over 23 years, Imperative has helped risk-averse companies make well-informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. We are unique in the background screening market in that we don't put our clients at risk by cutting corners just to deliver a lower price. We are upfront and honest about what each of our background screening products is good for and what they're not. If you aren't certain about the quality of your background checks, I've published six questions that you should ask your background screening partner. These six questions will help you understand where your screening partner may be cutting corners. You can review all six questions at imperativeinfo.com questions. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 48 and enter the keyword RAVI, that's R-A-V-I. And now back to my conversation with Ravi Swaminathan. Well, so we've talked about the flexibility um, of, of schedule and time and, and kind of working when, when it works for you and, and balancing that with the team's needs, obviously, and all of that. I think that's, I think that's a lot of managers assume it's one or the other, either the employee gets to set their schedule or they work my schedule rather than there being some cooperation between, uh, the, you know, the team and the employee and, and figuring out how do we, how do we make all this work? But so let's so say we get that. So beyond scheduling though, uh, you talked about, uh, you know, um, you know, well, I, I just was at a, I moderated a panel uh, conversation for the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce uh, a few weeks ago and employees there, uh, we were talking to, uh, is all uh, business leaders and, and, they, and they mentioned that, you know, employees, uh, you know, want to bring their whole selves to work. And, and I, I kind of half jokingly said, they can bring their whole selves as long as they're bringing their productive self. That's what I'm paying for is the the productive side and the rest of it. That's great. I don't care. 
you know, what color your hair is. I don't care. You know, you can look like the catfish that got away a hundred times. I, I don't really care with all the pins in your face. What I need though is the productivity, right? And so how, what other thing should an employer, if they, you know, great. If it keeps this employee happy and productive, bring your whole self. But what should I be considering as, as, as far as ways to, and you know, what are they looking for? When they say, I want to bring my whole self to work, what does that mean besides, you know, uh, besides scheduling? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to tweak a little bit of what you said to, to make this point, um, which is, you know, certainly I think employers care about the productivity side of things. But what if productivity was actually linked to keeping the employee happy in all the other things? Right. right. And so and, and I think and that's, that's the only reason it really matters ultimately. Exactly. I mean, right. You know, exactly. Yeah. And so take care of the whole employee so that, you know, they are the most productive for those hours of the day, week, month, quarters that they are working for you. Right. And I think that's the lens in which a lot of benefits are now going to be recasted. And by benefits, I mean everything that you do as an employer to support your employee is now you know, uh, going to be talked about in that concept. I mean, it wasn't unusual for a lot of Silicon Valley. So we're based here in Silicon Valley. Uh, it wasn't unusual for Silicon Valley companies to have a foosball table, you know, free peanuts, right? Obviously, why was that? And the answer is they thought, well, if I could keep you here longer, you know, maybe I can be, I can get you to be more productive, right? Um, you know, why does Facebook or did, at least back in the day, offer free laundry service and this and that, right? Google had nap pods. Why? It, it's, it was because they wanted to kind of help you be more productive for those hours that you weren't taking a nap in one of their sanctioned nap pods, right? So I think that's actually a great lens in which, you know, you can start thinking about as an employer and you should start thinking about as an employer is how can I help Mike you know, with fertility benefits, if that's what they, you know, uh, that's what, you know, they think you want. How can I help Mike with this physical fitness? That's why you had the gym membership reimbursement that they used to give you. How can I help Mike with all these other aspects of his life? And um, in doing so, I'm going to get the most productive version of Mike, right? Or Ravi or Rob. And so I think that's really the key is, Yes, productivity at the end, you know, if you just took unlimited vacation, right? A lot of companies have unlimited vacation. Let's say that, you know, you took 364 days of vacation that year. You know, <laughs> I think it's right. safe to say you're probably not going to come back to the job, right? And so I think, but the key is you do all of those things, you provide all those benefits and you care about all of Mike's life. Because then Mike in return is going to reward you as the most productive version of Mike. Right. And then if your if your viewpoint is, okay, hey, I've seen Mike at his most productive, and that's not good enough for me, then you're going to make the change. But you want to make sure that you know you're seeing Mike's full productivity, which honestly, most companies, Mike, they're not seeing their employees' full productive version because they're not supporting the rest of the employees' lives, right? And so, so I think that's the big sea change you're going to see. And the employees know it, which is why it causes the great resignation and the stress and the burnout and all of this other stuff, right? So um, I think the framework and the conversation is what if you could support, you know, me or Mike or any employee with their physical fitness, their mental well-being, spiritual, emotional, 
their education, their, you know, all of these other things that they care about in their life. What if you could support that? Wouldn't you be therefore getting a version of Ravi or Mike or a Rob that is the most loyal, that is the most productive, that's going to stay longer and appreciate all the things that you do? And, and that's the entire reason Taskuman exists is because, you know, we help companies take care of the employee in a way by bringing thousands of coaches instantly available in your pocket through our app and our interface that allows you know the employee to have a coach for physical fitness have a coach for mental well-being have a coach for leadership have a coach for sales training have a coach for this have a coach for that diet nutrition right by surrounding you as an employee with you know coaches we're helping you feel like a celebrity right now you too can be kim kardashian i mean she probably has a lot of people helping her be her awesomest self right and so now you too as an employee i too as an average you know human being I can be supported by an army of people helping me live my best life. And because the company made it possible for me, I'm now going to reward the company with my best effort. Right. When I'm, you know, I'm showing up. So that, that, that quality of that overall quality of life um, is, is what we're talking about. And, and then, and you kind of started answering the, my next question then was because as the career HR guy, who's, who's, always wondering about, you know, total cost of employment and, you know, what's the total rewards cost and, and, you know, what's my revenue per, you know, uh, employee cost dollar. But I think you've started to, you know, if we create a potpourri uh, or a buffet uh, of options and they can just select from them, we can, if it's all coming through the company, we can kind of start to measure direct cost against against uh, uh, revenue generated by the yeah. The ROI that. is really important. You know, it's it's always uh, especially in HR, right? You know, because it's sort of a cost center. You know, everybody is and should be super sensitive to what they're spending you know money on, right? Like, is free peanuts really getting me you know Mike and Rob's loyalty, or is it better off that I'm spending that you know on something else, right? That flashy gym that I built in the main office are in a remote world. Are people going to be showing up to that main office to use that gym, right? Or is it better served elsewhere? So ROI, you know, is always typically from what we see one of these four things. One is, can I attract more awesome people to my company uh, by, you know, claiming a set of benefits, right? And so if it can help me with recruiting talent, that's great. The second is retaining talent. Right. You know, if I'm 7-Eleven and I my people are quitting at, you know, very high velocity, that's, you know, just the cost of replacement alone. If you can stave, you know, 10 percent of that, 20 percent of that, those are clear ROI numbers for why you should take care of your existing workforce and retain your workforce. Right. So, you know, attrition slash retention is the second lens in which you evaluate these things. The third is engagement. Right. Am I able to get the best out of Mike? And so, you know, teamwork, productivity tools. I mean, you know, why should you spend on Microsoft Office or Zoom or any of these things? It, it helps with better engagement, better teamwork, better camaraderie, collaboration. Right. So that's the third lens, which is employee engagement while they are with the company. It tends to be a third factor in which to evaluate ROI because an engaged employee a lack of engaged employee base, it's very well known through various studies, as you know, Mike, have been published through the years of what the cost is of a disengaged workforce. 
And then the fourth, you know, in the benefits world tends to be around medical cost reduction, right? You know, if I, um, you know, if I have just too many claims on people that are getting sick with diabetes, the cost of absenteeism, presenteeism, I mean, these things, along with the claims data uh, that, you know, increases your medical insurance is pretty easy to quantify. That's why, you know, over the last several years, you've seen a lot of companies focus on diabetes uh, prevention slash or management. Um, also MSK, right? Musculoskeletal issues. Those things have been proven to have a pretty direct correlation to claims. And so if you invest on the preventive side, you're going to get back that money, you know, in terms of lesser or lower claims um, on the back end, right? So these four things typically, um, so to recap, you know, recruiting, right? Anything help with that. The second is retention slash attrition. The third is, can it benefit employee engagement? And the fourth is medical cost reduction. It's pretty easy to show ROI for, you know, any HR benefit, you know, or any kind of L&D program that, that you want to launch for the betterment of your employees. And one last, we're almost out of time, but I want to follow up. You mentioned it with TaskHuman, the kinds of coaches y'all have. And some of them were like sales training and probably, you know, whatever other kind of professional skills training somebody may need to do their job better. And I think that's where as employers, when we think about something like any any platform to train our employees or to give opportunities to our employees, it's like, you know, okay, I'm gonna invest this so that they can directly apply those skills on the job and make and, and make, you know, be more productive and make us uh, more more revenue per employee dollar. But you, you, you know, you mentioned a, a number of things that were were not uh, really related to direct employee skills. Talk about 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 those kinds of things. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what we bring is um, a coaching platform that gives you one on one access to uh, thousands of coaches in different walks of your life. In doing so, you know, our hope is that, you know, instead of you reading articles and videos, which you can get plenty on Google or there are other apps that give you access to a lot of content, whether it's LinkedIn learning or, you know, that yoga video through Thrive Global or, you know, whatever it is, right? Instead of that, when we bring an army of real live human beings all available instantly via one-on-one, it completely changes the game in how you think about well-being, supporting efforts, uh, for employees, you know, things like that. So, you know, in any of the four categories that we talked about of ROI, it starts to deliver tremendous ROI because in the past, when you launch a LinkedIn, you know, uh, learning solution or, you know, some kind of like weight loss app or whatever it is, Calm, Headspace, right? You know, these types of things. Again, I'm not, you know, poo-pooing any of the other um, awesome companies out there, right? Because every company has a reason for existence and and certainly I think HR should take a look at it. But when you do launch those things, what's happened is it gets pretty low employee engagement, right? On one of these metrics called employee engagement, you typically tend to get, you know, single digit employee engagement, maybe five, seven percent if it's EAP. So it wasn't that high. But when you because interview... That's, and that's because somebody that, you know, five percent of your employees wanted a yoga membership or five percent of your employees wanted that this particular, you know, emotional exactly. counseling or whatever. Okay. Exactly. Right. And so because of that, because they were all spot solutions, you know, anything that you launched, there was always a set of takers who who went and did that because that's what they cared about. But if you're a global company of any sort or as you start to scale your user base and employee base, 
it becomes really tough to do one thing that everybody loves unless that one thing is comprehensive, right? And that's really what, you know, Taskumen felt. And that's why we exist as a company is because whether you're a, you know, a 21 year old kid that's fresh out of college or you're a 65 year old that has different things on their mind because we offer physical fitness, mental well-being, financial well-being, right? Which might be more important to somebody who's 65, about to retire, just has different things, right? Um, all the way to spiritual, to leadership coaching, career coaching. So when you start to have a, sort of a comprehensive approach to an employee's life, right? We started this whole conversation by saying, what does work-life integration mean, right? It, it really means something different for the 21-year-old than it does for the 65-year-old. It, it could mean something different for a mom in the Netherlands as opposed to a dad in Kansas, Right. And, and depending on your family situation, but if we can support all the employees with what they want at that stage in their life and continue to support them as they grow and evolve and, you know, just be the awesome human beings they are, then we've helped employers achieve a level of loyalty, value, engagement that leads to higher, you know, ability to attract better talent ability to keep the talent there, right, as well as drive really high engagement, you know, on a global population of people, which is why, you know, Taskumen, the companies that Laurelog Taskumen are seeing 60, 70 percent engagement from a pretty large global base of employees. That's pretty much unheard of, you know, in the benefit space, because most benefits tend to see five, seven, eight percent engagement. Right. And so so that's the lens, right? Work-life integration, except your employee for their whole life, help them live their best life. In doing so, you get what you want, which is obviously productivity, right? They're going to be the most productive, most loyal, um, most retained, most engaged employee base. And, you know, in return, everything fuels, you know, what all these different, you know, constituents want. The company gets what they want. The employee feels like, yes, I can have a life if I work for this company and I don't have to do one or the other, you know, I can be good at these multiple things, right? And then obviously companies like us, you know, we get to serve and, and you know, be useful to the employer and the employee. Great. Well, so the the takeaway is there's not, don't, don't look for that silver bullet or that one size fits all type. This is what we're going to do for you. Uh, find a way, whether test through Task Human or some other planning in your organization, to to help employees guide you to or you know and, or guide themselves to the resources that they need, and find a way as an employer to support them in that with scheduling, but also in just making the resource other resources available. Resources available for the whole person's life, right? You know, as much as everybody knows, you know, you only care about Ravi's eight to five life you know, it's no longer fixed, right? So care about the all of Ravi's life. You support Ravi be, you know, the best that he can be. And in return, you're going to get the awesomest version of Ravi, you know, for the work period, right? The work effort and the work output that, you know, he is producing. And I think we got the most awesome version of Ravi today. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. And, and it's been a pleasure to talk to your audience. And thank you for listening. You can find episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally 
or professionally. I'll see you next week, and until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.